Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And then somebody's got to get the ashes and take it and that can be sprinkled so I can finally be pure. It take all that. So I can finally like, okay, I'm, I'm pure and I'm good. I'm good, you know. And I read that and I think, wow, what do we have to do? Like, what do you have to do to be pure for the Lord? First John 1 9, right? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. So what would be the excuse for you and I to walk around dirty? In his message today, Pastor Bill asks you, why do you still carry your sin? Jesus came to cleanse you of your sin. So why would you want to remain in it? In Romans chapter 6, Paul writes, you're set free from sin to no longer remain in sin. Through belief in Jesus, you can come boldly before his throne of grace to receive grace and help in the time of need. Confessing your sin and turning from it by his work of grace, you will be cleansed and restored. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Look at verse 6. It says, And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast them into the midst of the fire burning the heifer. And so, real quick, you look at those three things, cedar, the wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. Anybody, what do those three items remind you of? Where do they take you back to? The wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. Anybody? The cross, right? As he was on the cross, obviously the cross is of wood. Some people speculate, I won't go that far, that the cross that Jesus died on was cedar. I won't push that far. We don't know. I know it was a wood cross, though. And so here we have the wood, the cedar wood. Also, it was a known fact, cedar wood was used um, we won't go there, but if you're writing notes, write down Leviticus 14, 4 through 6. And in the ceremonial for the cleansing of a leper, these were the same items used. And so we have the wood, which would remind us of the cross. We have the hyssop, which if you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, they, they put it on something and brought it up to him and were offering him to take something for his pain. He didn't take it, though, but they offered it to him as he was there on the cross, but he didn't take anything to deaden the pain. He took the full brunt of everything for you and for me. He didn't take anything to lessen it, to deaden it. He took it full on for me and for you. And then the scarlet. And the scarlet throughout scripture points us to the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And we know that his blood ran from the cross. And um, all these things go into the burning of this heifer. And so a couple of things I would just point out real quick. For the note takers, it's Matthew 27, 48, where they offered him the hyssop. In Leviticus 14, 4 through 6, when a leper was cleansed, they were offered this same solution. And I would challenge you to remember this. When someone was sick with leprosy in that culture, it's very much synonymous with sin for us. Leprosy, like sin, was very contagious. Leprosy like sin, had one known cure, a supernatural touch from God's only way you could be. There was no medicinal cure for leprosy. If a leper were to be cleansed, it was because God had healed them. God had touched them like sin. There's nothing you can do about your sin. There's nothing you can do to clean it, to, to make it better, to fix it up. If God doesn't forgive you for it, you're in your sins. And so 
it's contagious. It can only be removed by a touch from God. And third, leprosy like sin brings forth death. The end result of a leper, if they continue to live as a leper, they will die of their leprosy. The end result of sin, if a person continues on in sin, sin brings forth death. That's the end result. And so leprosy and sin are, are very synonymous. So it's interesting as we look at the cure for the leper and we look here at them, it's just, these things are similar items that are used and they all point us to the cross. And I would just stop here before I go any further and challenge all of us to consider this. All the things that God is doing in numbers that he's doing in this group of people at this time that the Holy Spirit is, is putting forth a picture. God is putting forth a picture for them. Not only is he making a provision for them to be clean then and there, but God's also laying down a foundation. He's laying a picture in the scriptures that people later would catch in and see that this has been his work, that God wants to cleanse sinners, what he wants to do. Again, there's a part that God played. God made this up. God created it. God gave the instruction. They would have to obey it. And so now look at verse seven. It says, then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe in water and afterward he shall come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean until evening. So the priest will do all of this and he'll be himself unclean until evening. He's got to go wash and get ceremonially clean himself. Verse eight. And the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water and shall be unclean until evening. Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. And they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. And so the ashes from this red heifer, this whole thing is to be done for for the purifying or the cleansing from sin. And God had laid all these things out for them. Again, as I look at the the part the priest was to play, someone else was to do the burning. They were to be unclean. They were to get all these things together in the ashes of this red heifer. All these things were going to be done so that they could be purified. They could be cleansed. And I read this and I think, man, I mean, how easy has God made this for like, I, I read these things and I'm thinking, man, you got to find a red heifer. It got to be without spot, without blemish. Uh, you never been to work, never had a baby, you know, not even three red, not even three other color hairs. I mean, I'm looking at all these things. You got to find that thing. You got to be sacrificed outside the camp with all this junk. And then somebody's got to get the ashes and take it and that can be sprinkled so I can finally be pure. It take all that. So I can finally like, OK, I'm, I'm pure and I'm good. I'm good. You know, and I read that and I think, wow. What do we have to do? Like, what do you have to do to be pure for the Lord? Ask. First John 1 9, right? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. So what would be the excuse for you and I to walk around dirty? None. Now, understand that there would be no excuse for them either, right? We're going to see in a little while that the person that won't obey God's instructions to be cleansed, God said then he should be put outside he should be cut off from his people, it says. And I always believe when the Bible says cut off from his people, that means to be killed. That's how you get cut off from your people. It's not kicked out because you can come back. It's you're going to be killed. So the person that won't be clean will be killed. There's no soft space. There's no place of, well, there's another way. If you don't like that way, if that's too difficult for you, I got another route that doesn't exist. Neither does it exist for the New Testament. Same. 
But again, as I read this and I think of, man, all these steps and all these things and how they had to be kept just so. And God's like, there was no excuse for them. What would be the excuse for us? Even less for us, right? Because Christ has now died. The picture that's being placed here, the picture has come to reality. Jesus has already been on that cross. He's already bled on the cross. He's already died for the forgiveness of our sin. So now it's a matter of us saying, God, I want you. Lord, I surrender to you. And we'll look now at some specific things that they would need to be cleansed from and some ways that they could be made unclean. Um, And we'll talk more about that. But as we look at this here, again, I I highlighted the last part of verse nine. It is for the purifying from sin. And this is what God had done for them. Well, God has also made a provision for you and I that we would be purified from our sins, that we wouldn't go on in sin, that we wouldn't be tainted by sin, but that we would be cleansed and purified from sin. And I believe not just from the penalty of sin, but I believe that God's desire is not just to clean me up from hell. That's a big deal. And he does that. But God's cleaning us up, not just the penalty, you guys. God wants to deliver us from the present power that sin has over people, that we wouldn't be a people that are going on in sin. Um, God has made a provision for us. God has given us what we need that we might walk in victory, that we might walk in purity, that we wouldn't be a people that are remain filthy and come cleanly, filthy, cleanly, filthy, but that we could begin to walk in purity. And there are believers that want to skip that step. There are believers that just wanted to be all on God. I'm going to live like I'm going to act a fool, but thank God is merciful. I'm going to come get clean. And then go back out. And that's their, they're intending to live that way. Can you play that game with God and win? No, you can't. You can't play games with God. God tells us, right? He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Can't make fun of him. You can't play games with him. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. That's how sometimes inside the church, there are people that, they know what the word says and they're worshiping and they're participating and eating communion, all these things. And they're still sowing bad and they're still reaping bad, even though they know better. Right. You can't mock God. It's worse for us. Right. It'd be worse for me and worse for you because we know. I know too much to just think I'm going to go free. I'm not going to go free. I'm going to get spanked. I'm going to get toe up. And, and we need to know that. Right. So. God won't be mocked, right? He's made a provision for us. We should walk. We should be impacted by it. What should be the response to the person that recognizes and what God has done, right? You did all that, Lord, that I could be cleansed, that I could be free. This, it should make us people that now it's in worship that I, I, I want to walk worthy. So we're told in the New Testament, walk worthy of your calling now, right? Now you can. Now when you weren't saved, you didn't have any power. Sin had this grip on you, but now you're saved and you got the Holy Spirit in you. And now you can. Now the power of God upon your life that you can walk in purity and walk in his power. And so just want to point that out, right? That he wants a clean people, right? You're his bride. Who wants a dirty bride? Nobody wants a dirty bride. Everybody wants a clean bride. That's why they wear white dresses. I ain't never seen a bride in a black dress. I'm sure it's happened because we live in a really weird era. But for the most part, you know, even out there in the world, wedding dresses are white. Might be off-white, might be Cinderella white, but most of them are white. That's for a reason. So God's coming back for a pure bride, cleansed in the blood of his son. Amen. Verse 10 now, it says, and the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall 
wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It shall be a statue forever to the children of Israel and to the stranger who dwells among them. That whole section in there, verse 10, that this is a statue forever. This is what you guys are going to do. It's a statue forever for you guys and any stranger that dwells among you. Why does he say that? This is what God is saying. When a stranger comes in, they don't change nothing. When an outsider comes in, the rules don't change. We don't bend to them. They bend to us. And we need to remember that because we live in the world and we be doing a lot of bending to accommodate. God said, you don't bend my rules for them. They'll bend. They'll bend my way or they'll go away. But a lot of times the, the church is trying to do, trying to bend God's commandments. I mean, to where it's no more. God is no longer there. You could bend up the commandments to where their churches that have, they have so maligned and misconstructed God's law that it's like that ain't even a church no more. That's not even, I mean, you can call it one, but that's not a church. Ain't nobody saved there. Nobody's born again there. Them people are going to hell at church. That's the scariest thing in the world to me. I'm watching shows where, I mean, people are going to church and they're going to hell and singing songs, singing songs straight to hell. So God said them when a stranger comes, this is the same thing for you guys and the outsider that comes among you. This is the rule. They're going to have to do it, too. So we need to be mindful of that, that sometimes in the name of I'm just trying to reach out. I want to, you know, I want people to come on to be comfortable. No, I want them to know the truth because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth might be uncomfortable at first, but it's still the truth. And I'd rather tell you the truth and have you storm out and come back later. And I, I got the same story, got the same word, same truth. Then to tell you a lie, have you stick around and you die on me and go to hell. What must it be like for those people? There's this, um, and I, I won't digress too much, but there's a, a video on YouTube and it's called A Letter from Hell. You can look it up later, but it's a, a theatrical thing where somebody that this non-believer who had a friend that was a believer, they had a car crash. And so they both die in the car crash. And, and the person who was the non-believer writes this letter to their friend. And they're basically saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Like we were together this day and you started to say this and you laughed it off. And this person's from hell writing a letter and they're in obviously in torment and in grief and in pain and everything else. But I mean, I've listened to that several times and I'm just like, man, that's I bet that's the cry because people are in hell fully conscious. And how many people are in hell with friends and family that were believers and didn't bother, didn't tell them the whole truth, didn't want to offend them, love their friendship so much that they just let them be lost in their presence. Don't love your friendship with nobody that much where you can't be a help to them. So anyway, moving on. Verse 11. He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. So now he's going to speak about ways in which a person could become unclean, dealing with touching dead bodies. And I want to just point this out that as much as God's law was spiritual, there are aspects of the law as you read it now and you look back that God was actually, some of this was to keep them healthy. Some of the things that God gave them at the time in which they were living, uh, where maybe they didn't have the medical knowledge and all these things, God had put in the law things that would have kept his people healthier than other people. They would have lived longer than other people. They would have not made some mistakes that the other people would have made. You know, God told him, maybe when you guys go to the bathroom, go outside the camp. Why? Because if that many people was going to the bathroom on the ground in the camp, there'd have been disease would have been rampant. So in that, God was sparing them that. Um, there were foods that God said they couldn't eat were unclean. Now, as you look back and think of all the things that were unclean, it's all the stuff that we know is bad for us. Pig, 
You know, they couldn't have bacon. They couldn't have scrimps. They couldn't have all the things that were eating the bottom of the seafloor and stuff like that. Crabs and all the stuff that we like. We're killing ourselves with. God said, y'all can't eat that mess. Well, we can have a good lobster, Lord. I can have some scrimps. How are we going to have gumbo, Lord? You know, but for them, it was preserving them at a time when they didn't know all the stuff we know now. And this is where I know God's word is eternal. God's word is not a health book. But when it speaks of things related, it's, it's always right. It's not wrong. You, you look back and think, wow, that was some wisdom in that. There was wisdom in saying you got to go to the bathroom outside the camp. You know, and then they had to dig it in the ground and bury it like cats do. Right. That's cats are clean. Just not in my house, you know, but they, they, they go, they dig, they bury it, they put it away. And it's like, that was really polite of you. Not like a dog, you know, just whatever, you know, so anyway. So here, the rules that God gave them, think about touching dead bodies. Well, we know that a dead body can contaminate you. It died for a reason. We don't know why it died. Uh, maybe it died because it was sick. You know, when people now, when you look at the people that go in to deal with a dead body, they put on booties and hand stuff and cover their face. They're not breathing in the same air. They take all these precautions because why? They know that disease is flowing in the air. They don't want it. They want to live around a little longer. So God told them here, hey, when somebody dies, if you happen to come in contact with it, you are unclean and you need to go through a process to be made clean again. And so verse 11, he who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean for seven days. Seven days while you're considered unclean and you got to get decontaminated yourself. Calling you unclean will keep you should you have come in contact with something from contaminating everybody else. You're unclean. You got to go somewhere. And so this was um, as much as it's spiritual. God was saying this is going to keep you guys. You guys are going to be better off for these commands. Verse 12. He shall purify himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day and he will be clean. Now, the water is the water that came from this purifying solution with the sprinkled ashes of the red heifer, all that. That's going to be put on him on the third and then again on the seventh day as he's separated. And it says, um, then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself, defile the tabernacle of the Lord this person shall be cut off from, from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. And I, I want to point out a phrase in verse 13. It says, anyone who dies and does not purify himself, right? God said, I'm giving the command that if you touch a dead body, come into contact with a dead body, you're to purify yourself, be considered unclean seven days. You're to be sprinkled with this solution on the third and the seventh day. Then you'll be considered clean. If you won't do it, then you're unclean. And he said, you'll be cut off from your people. I want to point this out, right? The person that won't do it. This is the person that says, I know that I came in contact with a dead body, but I'm not doing it for whatever reason, right? Does God care about the reason why you won't do it? No, he didn't give, you know, possible. It doesn't matter why you won't obey God. I don't understand. Doesn't matter. I disagree. Doesn't matter. That's a lot for me to have to do. I don't got that much time. Doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't matter why you won't obey God. You're going to be cut off. You'll be in your sin. You're considered still unclean and you're going to die. Like you're going to be cut off from your people because you wouldn't be clean. And so when it comes to sharing the gospel was blessed with the opportunity today to hook up with a childhood friend. He was at a barber shop and he was talking to a guy that was out there and he ended up called me and said, hey, 
you know, be basically like call for backup. Like, hey, I'm talking to this guy, man, he's just open. Just come join me over here. And I went and met up with him, and it was an awesome, awesome time. And it was, it was a guy just there needing Jesus and wanting Jesus and wanting to be helped. You know, we were able to talk to him, pray with him, and he actually prayed to receive the Lord. But as I'm looking at this here, there have been people that I've shared with that they wouldn't. I've had people literally tell me, I understand all that, but I just, I'm just not ready. So you won't be clean, right? This guy today is, I mean, he had some legitimate questions, answered his little questions he had, and we just walked him through the simple gospel message and said, do you want it? He was like, yes, I am lost and I'm hurting. Man, it was, it was no convincing. It was no, we didn't twist his arm. It was just, we just explained the gospel very simply. He was like, yes, I need it. I need God. And I just thought, wow, you know, I mean, to talk to one person that's just like, yes, I need God. I need to be forgiven. I need to be, I need him and I want him. Yes. And to talk to someone else that fully comprehends everything you're saying and they're like, yeah, I'm just not ready. What do you do for that person, right? What do you do for the person that has heard, understood and gets it just as deciding that I'm not ready to submit to God yet? Do you realize there's nothing you can do for them? I used to think, well, you pray for them. What do you pray? Right. Do I pray that God take his free will from him? I can't pray that. Right. What can you do for him? Nothing. He's lost on purpose. He won't be cleansed. He won't come to God. There's nothing you can do for that person. Right. God does so much. When I'm looking at a non-believer, the Bible says that Satan blinds them that they don't see. So one thing you pray for a non-believer, God, I pray you would bind Satan that blinds them that they might see clearly and understand that they might be able to make a decision for you, right? And so I believe that God honors that prayer. I believe that God will open blind eyes. I believe that God will make the gospel clear to someone that's unclear, that it's foggy to. But when all that's said and done and the gospel's gone forth and there's understanding and clarity and someone understands the full weight of it and they say, I, I do, I, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Not today, though. I, I still got some stuff I want to do. And, you know, maybe if I outlive, you know, finish getting all my sin, I, I may do it then. That's a scary place to be in. And it was a difficult thing for me to come to the point where it's like, there isn't anything you can do for them because God gave him that free will. God invites us. I could pray all kind of crazy. God, break them. God, you know, let everything fall in on them. You know, let everything around them collapse. Let everything. But it's like the, the thing that God promises to do, he's done. And now it's been made known. It's been illuminated. You get to make that choice. God's not going to kick your door down. And so we should all be aware of that, right? This person here, right? God's made his will clear. He's made the things that make you unclean clear. And he's made the way in which to be made clean clear. And the person that won't do it, God doesn't say, set them aside and talk to him about it. He says, you know what? This person shall be cut off from his people. And again, I believe cut off from his people is that they're going to die. That's how you're cut off from your people. They won't be able to continue in that way. And that's in verse 13. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. It's going to be cut off. And so what do we learn from that, you guys, that we don't want to be people that have rebellious hearts? Right. When God shows us something, we want to submit. We don't want to fight God. You know, you don't fight God and win. You fight God and lose. And so we want to submit to the Lord. God, your ways aren't my ways. They're better than my ways. And even when I don't understand you, God, just submit because you're God. 
Or I know you're right, and I know you love me, and I know your way is the best way. But we don't want to be those that are fighting against the Lord. We want to be submitting to the Lord. So I would challenge you here, if there's any area of your life where you find that you're at war, no God says this, and I keep doing that. I encourage you tonight that you would submit, that you would give that up. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word. <laughs>